Hey, it's Lisa Wimberger here. I'm the founder of Neurosculpting and I have helped thousands of people learn really powerful tools to regulate their minds and their bodies, including pro athletes, entrepreneurs, and those with serious stress-based illnesses. So I'm really excited to help you do the very same thing through education and some incredible guest experts. And together, we're going to discover the formula to unlock hope. So welcome. Let's talk the right meditation for you. Um, there's This is a bit of a soapbox moment for me uh, because I don't personally believe there's a one-size-fits-all with meditation. And I also believe that the word meditation has become a catch-all to mean any form of inner work, whether that's self-development or internal regulation or mindfulness, right? There's, it's kind of this blanket term, right? Meditation. Um, and because there's a blanket term, people maybe have tried one form or another, maybe you have tried one particular form and now you walk away from that experience, if it wasn't a positive, saying, well, I'm a bad meditator or meditation doesn't work for me. So just like there are a million different ways to breathe, that's why there are breathwork teachers, that's why there's the kind of breathing you do for diving, the kind of breathing you do for um, sprinting, right? There's different ways to breathe. You can't just say, well, breathe it. breathing doesn't work for me. Well, you have to find the right breath for the right task. You have to find the right meditation for the, the effect that you're looking for. If you are looking for relaxation, that is one body of work that certain meditations address. If you are looking for presence, that's a different body of work that different meditations address. If you are looking for repatterning, nervous system intentional regulation, that is also a different body of work. So I want to break down a little bit of the nuances so that you can walk away from this particular episode having clarity of choice. And this requires you to know a little bit about the nervous system. So this is going to be a little bit more of a informational learning moment for both of us. Um, and you have to understand that the nervous system um, has really three states of being. One is equanimity, homeostasis, rest and digest. Another state is arousal. I'm able to locomote and move and fight or flee or activate or produce or work. And then the third state is shut down or um, parasympathetic, deep, deep quiet and internal gathering, perhaps even a disembodied freezing, right? So think of the nervous system as having all of these choices. It can be at rest and digest, which can feel like I am poised to 
get up and do something, but I'm also quite content to just sit and rest and my muscles are soft. They're not pre-engaging in an contracted, active way. They're, they're ready though, but they're not really effortfully doing that kind of work. And usually this happens when we're at a nice nervous system balance or we've just eaten. The parasympathetic shutdown is the kind of response that you have at times when maybe the stress is a little too much. So uh, you go inward and you dissociate or you go numb or your brain kind of goes a little bit blank or you get demotivated or you just sort of click the remote and don't actually engage in what, what you're watching all the way to <coughs> I am a bit frozen and I don't feel anything and I'm sort of an automaton, right? And then arousal can feel the opposite of that. Arousal can feel enlivening and activating and um, contracting and energized and agitated and um, heart rate increase and um, kind of hypervigilantly on defense. And these are the states available to the nervous system. And you are not unique in that your nervous system has these exact same choices, just like mine does. And if we belong to the mammalian world and the human species, then these are available to us in our nervous system. And not all meditation addresses the state we're in and helps us get out of it. So let's talk about what meditation can do, what different kinds can do so that you choose the right one for the right job. Um, generally speaking, of course, this is a huge generalization. A lot of meditations that are out there are designed to relax you. They're designed to bring you down to slow your heart rate, to deepen your breath, to um, get you back to homeostasis. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, relaxing and letting things go is wonderful if you are aroused. If you're aroused, that's your nervous system state of being in that particular moment, and your heart's elevated and your breathing is shallow and tight and you're clammy and sweating and you're defensive and contracted, then yes, the nervous system is wanting to come down off of that experience and move you back towards a rest and digest homeostasis kind of place. And so that's a great time to choose a relaxation meditation one where you're just breathing and one where maybe you're letting your thoughts go or float away like clouds or maybe one where you are just getting into your zen whatever that means for you um, and that is all well and good however if you and your nervous system happen to be in a parasympathetic response, a freeze response, um, a place of moving towards shutdown, where your heart rate is actually decelerating, where you're actually holding your breath, where you are um, 
minimizing the oxygen to the brain because you're not breathing well, so your brain gets foggy. When you're in that state, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bold statement here, and some of you may, may disagree with this. Um, that is not the time to calm down. In fact, trying to slow your heart rate when it's already moving in that direction is downright dangerous for a body. This is me speaking from personal experience, trying to figure out why my TM practice, my transcendental meditation practice for my entire life did not heal my body. The reason was because my default response to stress was a parasympathetic freeze. And I'm already decelerating, I'm already dissociating, and now I'm layering on top of that a meditation practice that is saying, you are not your body. You do not have to feel your body, and you can relax and quiet. Well, I was already too quiet, and I was already dissociated. So um, from a physiology standpoint, that was like giving drugs to a drug addict and hoping that you giving that drug to the drug addict was going to get them to quit the drug. Okay, so let's talk about what does a person need if they're moving into freeze and shutdown. You don't need to relax. That's the first thing. You need the opposite of relax. You need to move the heart rate up. You need to breathe differently. We're going to talk about breathing in a little bit. Um, but you need to breathe differently. You need to embody. You need to feel and move and activate your body. You do not need to be sitting in a posture dissociating from the pain of sitting in that posture and floating away because in parasympathetic freeze your brain is already floating away by way of oxygen deprivation and dissociation and so i just thought meditation was good i didn't realize it's a tool like your toolbox at home probably has more than one tool in it do you just have a hammer and you try to chop down a tree with a hammer do you just have a screwdriver and you try to hammer things in with a screwdriver no you've got multiple tools in the toolbox none of them are inherently better than the other but they're all nuanced to do different things based on the effect and the adjustment you need to make. Meditation is no different. Please, 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 if you take anything from this conversation, is that it is not a one-size-fits-all. And relaxation is not the goal for everybody. It's the goal for those who are too aroused. It is not the goal for those who are shut down. So dissociative freeze let's just talk a little bit about it it's natural it's normal you have it you've used it if you're a human you've used it um, and its design is to protect you during times where arousal isn't optimal so we have choices and so 
let's say um, you're out in the woods and you hear something uh, and it's a predator of some kind and this particular predator responds to movement in the environment and so you go and you hold your breath and you go very very still and then they don't find you you know those movies oh i don't know if it was jurassic park or not where um where i think it was jurassic park where the t-rex is orienting towards movement and the people stay really still and the t-rex's face comes right up to them and they're unable to detect them because the people aren't moving that's what a freeze response is is doing at the most primitive level it is making us invisible to predators who are tuning into movement and heat so we've got this amazing response to go cold and quiet and internal and still and uh, thermically cold. And in order to come out of that response, we must warm up. We must move and embody. We must breathe and bring oxygen back to the brain. So in this way, you don't want a relaxation practice. My TM practice was life-changing when I was in arousal, and it was exacerbating my seizure disorder, which was a disorder of, of a, a dysregulated freeze response. It was exacerbating that when I was in a parasympathetic pattern. And I didn't know that. I didn't know I was hurting myself with the, and I didn't even know I had choices with meditation. I didn't know that neuroplasticity practices were different than meditation. In fact, at that time, no one even said the word neuroplasticity, but I didn't know mindfulness was different. So let's talk a little bit about my experience with mindfulness. I'm not coming off as a mindfulness expert. I'm not coming off as an expert on all meditations. I'm telling you how to use the tools. You can go then find the experts that teach those tools. I teach neurosculpting. Um, but for mindfulness, what I've noticed is that it is a wonderful tool to get me present and embodied in a fairly neutral um, nervous system state. So meaning if I can be aware of the things I'm tasting, I'm orienting towards my body. If I can be aware of the things I'm hearing, like right now I hear a siren. If I could tune into that siren, I'm embodying because I'm tuning into, uh, sound waves and what my ears are hearing in the present moment. If I could tune in to savoring what I'm seeing or feeling. And in this way, mindfulness can feel very relaxing, but it can also be very um, an orientation to present time, which can be very helpful for someone who's disembodied. If I don't feel my body and I'm numb and I have a mindfulness practice, which then invites me to feel my body, that's a step in the right direction. So as a person of freeze, I might prefer in that moment to reach for a mindfulness practice rather than a relaxation meditation practice. And now the ultimate difference between those practices 
and neurosculpting, which is a neuroplasticity practice, is that very specifically with neurosculpting, the five-step structure of the meditation itself is designed to get you embodied while maintaining somewhat of a relaxed stress response. So we're sort of adapting based on whether you are in arousal or whether you are in freeze. We've got things embedded in the meditation uh, part of it that will get you um, oriented to either a relaxation state or an embodied state depending on your choice of how to use that meditation. So it's helpful for both. But um, most specifically inside of the neurosculpting meditation, we have embodiment practices built in so that in case you are not aware that you're in a freeze state, we keep you embodied and we start to pull you out of it a little bit very gently. So in this way, I find neurosculpting to be playful and fun and a great intervention practice for wherever I'm at, but also very specifically a repatterning tool. It is not designed for a relaxation experience, although you can feel very relaxed after it. It's more designed to repattern the habituated triggers and responses that you don't need anymore, that may have served you at one time and they, they don't serve you now. So in that way, I'm gonna choose neurosculpting when I want to feel intentional self-regulation and even be very specific about the effect that I want. So they're very different animals. And then of course, let's add to this list, yoga nidra, walking meditation, um, no thought meditation, mantra meditation, uh, DNSR, dynamic neural retraining system, Gupta, all sorts of um, uh, NLP and um, EMDR and EFT. I mean, the list goes on and on. There are so many tools at your disposal and you may be using the wrong one for the effect you're looking for. And so my recommendation is get acquainted with the needs of your nervous system and then choose a tool for each of the three states. One to bring you down from arousal, one to get you just present in a nice equilibrium and one to pull you out of freeze. And in this way, you have a growing, um, supportive, efficient tool bag. But I do want to say something about breathing, and this is going to be um, some tips and some just takeaway practices for you because uh, when when I share just straight information, I really want you to make use of it and apply it in your life. So we're going to talk a little bit about breathing. I am not a breathwork coach, so you can go to your breathwork coach for a lot more information on this, but I'm going to talk to you about basic physiology, and these are great rules to think about so that you feel empowered right away, even if you never take a breathwork class. So one thing to understand is that when you inhale, right, your, um, your heart rate speeds up. Why? Why would that happen? Because when you inhale, your diaphragm moves down. So you're creating a larger volume of space. And so to pump blood through a larger volume of space at, 
to reach your muscles at the same time your muscles are expecting it, your heart rate has to pump a little faster to get that blood through a larger volume. So on the inhale, lower diaphragm, expanding volume in the lungs, elevated heart rate. Now the exhale brings the diaphragm up and all of that space shrinks and um, empties. And therefore to pump blood through a smaller volume of space, your heart doesn't have to work so hard. So there's a natural deceleration on the exhale. So we have a natural rhythm, heart rate variability. It's varying its tempo. Inhale a little faster, exhale a little slower. Why this comes in handy is this. If you are in an arousal state, you're in a fight, flee, agitation state, and you don't have time to meditate. You don't even meditate. You don't even know what meditation is, right? You can affect your internal state profoundly by breathing differently. If you're already agitated and you know an inhale is gonna make you even more amped because it's gonna elevate your heart rate and you're probably already elevated, you might be breathing tight in the chest <laughs> like that then you wanna slow down your heart rate. And so a simple thing for you to do is to put your awareness on your exhale, which is going to decelerate the heart. So if you imagine blowing out like you were blowing out candles on a birthday cake, long and slow, you can actually start affecting your arousal state and bringing it down naturally by adjusting your focus to the exhale. Of course, you're still going to inhale. But if the focus of awareness is a long intentional exhale, you can bring yourself out of agitation pretty quickly. The opposite is true with freeze. Let's say again, you don't have any practices or tools, but you know how to breathe. So when you're in a freeze response, and your breath is held, and your heart rate is decelerating because you're going inward and you're going cold, then you want to put your awareness on the inhale because that will naturally accelerate your heart and pump blood a little faster. So on a freeze response moment, if I don't have time to meditate, I might <sighs> double inhale through the nose. I might <sighs> Take a big, long inhale and put my awareness there. And of course, I'm going to exhale as a result, but that's not where my awareness is going to be. So just based on knowing a little bit about your breath and your body's needs, you may not even need in the moment to choose the right meditation. You could actually adjust your breathing. And that's something I want you to take away. So just, just the recap is three states of nervous system existence. Rest and digest is one. Arousal is another. Parasympathetic shutdown is another. And we as humans dance between all of these in all moments. They're all available to us. If we are choosing the wrong tool for the effect, then we're not going to be successful. So if you are aroused, reach for a relaxation experience. If you are frozen, reach for an embodied practice. And if you want um, a presence, a present time awareness, 
reach for mindfulness. And if you want to be able to adapt through all of them, then learn neurosculpting because it's designed for that. And then the last little bit to recap is to remember an inhale accelerates your heart rate, an exhale decelerates your heart rate. If you are agitated, you want a long, slow exhale. If you are frozen shut down, you want your focus to be on the inhale. And in this way, just knowing how to dial yourself in in any moment can give back to you influence over your nervous system so that you don't have to feel like you are thrown around by the crashing waves of life. You actually can feel like you're surfing them. And surfing the waves, we're not preventing the waves because life has them, but you can surf them. And that requires you making choices about what your body, mind, and spirit needs in the moment. And that requires you knowing a little bit about the physiology. So these are my go-to practices. Um, I like choice. I like knowing I have a tool bag. I like knowing that you have a tool bag and that you can make choice. And I, I think what I really want to leave you with is this idea that you're not a bad meditator. It is quite possible. You've been trying to use a particular form that may not have addressed your needs in the moment. Maybe you didn't have a teacher, maybe you had expectations that were too high, or maybe you used the word meditation to mean any of the nuanced practices that fall into that category and they just weren't the right ones for you. So you're not a bad meditator. You're not broken. Uh, you are a mammal who has access to an amazing tool set. And now you have uh, three, uh, six, no, five practices. You have an inhale practice, an exhale practice, a mindfulness category, a relaxation meditation category, and a neurosculpting category. And in this way, the world is yours. Your nervous system is ready to listen, and all you have to do is choose the right form. So. Choose a form that works for you. Thanks for listening to Unlock Hope. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're at Neurosculpting Institute on Facebook, at Neurosculpting on Instagram. You can always reach out to us on our website, neurosculpting.com, and you can download our app, Neuropraxis. Stay well, everybody.